Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 77. We're going to start the show right off the bat with the Monday night game, which was a huge surprise on all fronts. It was the San Francisco 49ers against the Cleveland Browns, Ed. And my God, I didn't expect it, Ed. But the 49ers proved to the entire world that they should be taken for real. I think they showed everyone that they're they're capable of competing not only in the NFC West, but against some of the better teams out there. So they improved to 4-0. They beat the Browns 31-3. And it was was really a beatdown, Ed. Yeah, the 49ers have looked good this year. Um, you know, the thing that I really like about the 49ers is I think they have a great defensive line. I mean, you got, you got you know, from left to right, I mean, from one side to the other, you got Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Jesse Armstead, and D Ford. I mean, that is that is a loaded defensive line, and you're going to win a lot of matchups at the, at the line of scrimmage with that group. No, the defense, we knew about the defensive line. We knew that the defensive line was going to be great. And Nick Bosa, once he got healthy, we, we saw it, what he's capable of doing. And he did it against the Browns. The number two pick of the draft was just, he was unblockable. He had two sacks. He impacted se- several other plays. Uh, he looks like a defensive rookie of the year favorite if he continues to stay healthy. You and I sang his praises leading up to the NFL draft. A lot of people like them. And obviously, we, we were trying to make the case that the Arizona Cardinals should take him number one overall. They went in a different direction. He just fell into the 49ers' lap. Yeah, and I think it really helps this year to have Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I, I mean, some people are, you know, have this narrative, well, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is leading the 49ers to four and zero. But I, I see, I see it more as, I mean, this defensive line is playing well. This, you know, Jimmy G is playing well enough to win games, and um, so I think, I think this is a good situation. I wanted to mention that obviously the 49ers are going to play against the Rams, another, another tough test this weekend for them. The Bavada Sportsbook has the Los Angeles Rams as the favorite currently, sitting at minus 3.5. Obviously, they should be. Um, the Rams went to the Super Bowl last year. They're they're still great. I mean, they, they lost a tough game to the Seahawks 30-29 to last weekend. But obviously, they, they deserve to be the favorites on this game. And this is going to be another tough test for the 49ers to, to prove their worth in a really tough NFC West division. And I want to remind you, Ed, I mean, they're still facing, they have to play the Seahawks twice this year, and they have to face the the the, the Rams twice. So, yeah, it's, it's not going to be an easy walkthrough. It's just, it, it's going to be tough out here. The NFC West division is, is one of the toughest divisions out here. So it's definitely not a, cake, a cakewalk. Yeah, and I, I I don't know. I mean, this game this game is really kind of a toss up. I mean, I know they have it at three and a half with the Rams, and you know the Rams have been you know in, in recent times a better team, and I think that's why you know they're favorite. But I mean, the 49ers have looked really good this year, and I I really could see them winning this game. And you know, I I if 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 I were if I were to bet on this game, I think I would take the 49ers on Bovada. 
You know, the driving force behind what the 49ers have been able to do this year and what they did against the Browns has been the running game. I mean, they rushed for 259 yards against Cincinnati. They rushed for 275 yards against Cleveland on Monday night. Uh, the 49ers have a seemingly endless assembly line of running backs. They've got Matt Breida, they've got Tevin Coleman, and Shanahan is using them really well. I mean, he's keeping them fresh. I mean, he's using both backs out there, and that's what I've been impressed about. Richard Sherman picked off the pass uh, right in the beginning of the game. He picked Baker Mayfield near uh, midfield, and, and obviously Breida and Coleman just carried them to a win. My only concern, Ed, is the passing game. This is a passing league, and when teams shut down that running game, can Garoppolo and those receivers make enough plays on the outside? George Kittle is great, Ed. He has turned into one of the better tight ends in this league. But look, you've got Debo Samuel, you've got Dante Pettis, you've got Marquise Goodwin. Is that enough on the outside? None of those guys are, are ever going to become number one wide receivers. We don't have that number one target. And Garoppolo has been solid, but he hasn't been off the charts. I mean, I, can, I, I can't be a little bit critical of him because Jimmy G, ever since coming back from the ACL injury, again, he was efficient against the Browns, but I don't think he has enough weapons on the outside to to make this a, a big-time passing attack for the 49ers. So that that's my biggest concern for the 49ers moving forward. I, I don't necessarily see the 49ers needing to have like that number one 1A go-to receiver to be a good team. I, I still think they can be a good team without that number one receiver. But again, there, there's a lot to get excited about in the Bay Area. The Niners currently are the last undefeated team in the NFC. And it's the first time the 49ers are 4-0 since 1990. Those are statistics you can't deny. And I love what Kyle Shanahan is doing. I love He's right now the best play caller in the NFL. He just he really knows how to set up that defense and how to attack the defense. And he did it against the Browns, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they do against the Rams because that, that's going to be the real test. But I also love what Nick Bosa did, man. I mean, when he sacked Baker Mayfield, he let him know that, hey, I haven't forgotten about you when you uh, slammed that flag in midfield against Ohio State that one game. <laughs> remember that? Yeah, I do remember that play. And, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, I mean, he, he, he is he is definitely a, a character in the league. And, you know, he'll he'll definitely take, you know, big, you know, make big claims. And, he, you know, he can be funny and so forth. And, um, you know, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield kind of defended himself and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be back this year. You know, everyone's been down on me. Everyone's been down on me before. So, um, you know, that's kind of a storyline to watch. I mean, is, you know, Baker Mayfield, can he, can he really establish himself? Well, I mean, he established himself during his rookie season, but currently right now he's having that sophomore slump. He really is. I mean, when the number one overall pick last year, uh, he completed only 8 of 22 passes for a career low 100 yards. He threw two picks, he fumbled the ball twice, and he was sacked four times before being pulled in the fourth quarter. It's the first time in Mayfield's uh, 18 career starts that he failed to throw a touchdown pass. I mean, that says something. I think people are really down on Baker. Obviously, it's kind of 
a knee-jerk reaction. I mean, he proved during his rookie season that he is a good quarterback, but the expectations were at an all-time high during the offseason. All of a sudden, the Browns, who couldn't win a game, who kind of you know, did some good things last year, were on the cusp of making the playoffs or being 8-8 eight and eight for that matter. All of a sudden, they became the favorites in the AFC North. And I just thought that was preposterous. None of those kids, none of those guys on the Browns team, including the head coach, including Baker Mayfield, including OBJ, has has been there, you know, in the playoffs, making that deep run. And they, they just don't have experience. It's still a young team. But it's a lot to get excited about. I mean, you have Baker, you have Jarvis Landry, you have OBJ, you have that defensive line. I think the Browns are going to be fine. They're, they'll bounce back. But uh, right now, against my Niners, they, they certainly struggled. Let, let's move on to the Saints, Ed. The Saints played against the Bucks, and you mentioned last week that you thought that the Saints had the best backup quarterback in the game. I, I countered by saying that Teddy Bridgewater needs to rise up. He needs to challenge the defense more. He needs to take a few more shots downfield instead of being so conservative and uh, completing you know, his 68-69% uh, completions within 5 or 10 yards. And you know what? I guess Teddy Bridgewater listens to the show because he was impressive the whole game uh, against the Bucks on Sunday. Yeah, and I think it's time to start thinking about Chetty Bridgewater as a starter in the NFL. I think he really should, you know, he's, he's gotten short contracts with the Saints, and I really think he deserves a shot as a starter somewhere. I just, I was really impressed with the way he challenged the defense on, on a few throws with, with vertical passes. He he hit Michael Thomas on, on key third downs. Michael Thomas scored twice, and, and then he hit... Ted Ginn for the touchdown, a uh, deep ball. And it was it was really good to see because the, the, the crowd, the Saints crowd, was chanting, Teddy, Teddy, after his touchdown pass this Sunday. It speaks to his popularity. I mean, how many more, how many backup quarterbacks, I mean, the, the crowd goes so crazy for? It's an awesome story. And I thought the difference against the Bucks, especially in the second half, was the Saints' defensive line. I mean, they were really the difference. They got after Winston... And they just they, they were able to get some sacks and enforce some pressure and, and get him out of the pocket. So the Saints defensive line and that defense are for real. We saw it against the Cowboys and they kind of backed it up against the Bucks as well. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, the Saints are definitely, you know, they were one of my teams where I picked it. You know, I think I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. And I, I think they are I think they are one of the elite teams in the league. It says a lot about them that they can have Drew Brees go down and still be a winning team. Um, you know, I thought I thought they would probably lose some ground um, at this point. But, you know, they're right in the thick of things in the NFC South. Uh, let's switch to the NFC North. Uh, we'll talk about a couple of teams. Let's start with the Packers, Ed, uh, because the the Packers, they were in control of the whole game against the Cowboys up until the fourth quarter when they kind of let up a little bit and the Cowboys were able to, to come back in the game. But I thought the difference for the Packers so far this season has been the defense. Again, uh, we keep talking about the defense. We started with the 49ers. Now, you know, I mentioned the Saints. Same thing with the Packers. I remember Ted Thompson, the former GM. He always stayed quiet on the free agent uh, market. He never went after the, the big name free agents. His theory was to build through the draft, 
uh, sign a few backup guys out there for lesser money. But this year, Packers kind of changed up their strategy. They have a new GM. They signed Zedarius Smith from the Ravens for a, to a nice contract. They went after Preston Smith, um, who played with the Washington Redskins. Those have been really home run signings. I mean, those two players have definitely made a difference and made that defense a lot more aggressive. And it's, you know, when you listen to the radio, uh, Packers home, you know, they're not talking about Aaron Rodgers. They're not talking about the offense. They're really excited about Packers defense. And and to be honest with you, I'm excited about them as well because you picked them to win the NFC North. I didn't. I, I thought the Packers weren't going to make the playoffs. Boy, I have to admit it. I mean, I've been wrong so far. Yeah, can can we officially say I hit on them being my surprise team? I mean, I know I know that it isn't like a huge shock to see the Packers doing this well, but I mean, I think I think they've been the surprise team in the NFL. I mean, is there another team you could put there, other than maybe the 49ers? I would say the 49ers have probably been a bigger surprise uh, because I mean the the Packers they still have Aaron Rodgers as the driving force, but I could definitely put the Packers in there as well in the conversation because that defense has been the the difference in some of these games and I don't think they're going to go away as well I I like what I'm seeing from Jair Alexander the cornerback out of Louisville Uh, I mentioned already that the two Smith brothers they're not actually brothers but Darius Smith and Preston Smith and I, I don't understand why the Redskins didn't bring back Preston Smith I thought he was one of their better defensive players but we'll talk about the Redskins a little bit later in the show. Let's talk about the Vikings. Um, Kirk Cousins took a lot of criticism leading up to the game against the Giants. And you know what? Against the New York Giants, he looked like a Super Bowl-worthy quarterback because, he, again, he challenged the defense. He was accurate. He, he hit digs. He hit his favorite target, Adam Thielen, in the passing game. And it was just he looked like the Kirk Cousins that I think everybody wants to see every week. Unfortunately, Kirk Cousins picks on teams that are below par. And then once he has to rise his game up a notch against the better teams, he just always seems to fall short. And I think his record kind of speaks to that. You know, I, I thought I thought when they signed him for that three-year contract, I thought the Vikings were really smart. Um, you know, I thought the Vikings' defense would be better the last couple of years, and they haven't been as good. But, um, you know, the, the story really for that Giants-Vikings game for me was that Daniel Jones didn't play as well as I thought he would. Um, you know, Daniel Jones really showed in his first game that, you know, everyone was wrong. And now, now, now it's, it's looking like, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of uncertain. He's kind of, you know, he's kind of like Schrodinger's cat. You you just don't know what he's going to be. Yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate. I was also behind the, the Kirk Cousins signing. I realized that quarterbacks got a lot of money. I mean, that's just, it's the world that we live in in the NFL. If you're a good enough quarterback, you're going to get paid. And he certainly got paid with the Vikings. But again, his record against the better teams, it hasn't improved ever since he moved on from the Redskins to the Vikings. And we all know the Vikings are a better team. The Dalvin Cook is running wild this year. Um, their offensive line seems to be a little bit better than what they have been the past couple of years. That defense is always... It's a stingy defense. Mike Zimmer always brings it every week. And just Kirk Cousins needs to be better and more consistent. And just, I picked the Vikings to win that division. 
it's kind of a big question mark right now. I, I hope that he's going to be able to take this performance and continue to do well every week. That That's all I'm hoping with. NFL. And, well, that, well um, I just want to say that that's a good division right there, the NFC North. I mean, you got you got the NFC West, and then you got the NFC North. I mean, the North has really – I mean, all four teams are contenders. I mean, all four teams are legitimate. I mean, when you talk about having the Packers and the Vikings and the Bears, and even the Lions are doing pretty well this year. So, I mean, that, that's, that might be the most complete – it might not be the best division in football, but it might be the most complete division in football. It definitely is. It's competitive as hell uh, every week. The NFL is a tough business, Ed. And we saw first head coach go down. He he got fired. I guess it wasn't a big surprise when it was the Washington Redskins who who decided to pull the plug on, on Jay Gruden. It just it wasn't working. Uh, the, the Redskins are 0-5 right now. It's kind of a collection of Case Keenum and Colt McCoy. Dwayne Haskins is not getting the chance. Uh, And it seems like with the new head coach, with the new interim head coach, Bill Callahan, Dwayne Haskins is not going to be the starter again. It seems like it's going to be either Case Keenum or or Colt McCoy. So what do you think about this situation? Do the Redskins need to change the whole culture? Do they also need to get rid of the GM and and fire the owner if it's possible? <laughs> well, they aren't going to fire the owner, that's for sure. Um, you know, I I think I think this was the right move to get rid of Jay Gruden. I mean, I think Jay Gruden had a one foot out the door uh, even before he was fired. Um, you know, there's sort of pictures of him, you know, out partying and hitting on younger women, and so um, you know, it, it was clear that it was clear that he felt like he was done before. Um, you know, he was fired and. Um, you know, normally I'm not really into the whole like in-season firing, but um, you know this was this was a special case where Jay Gruden just wasn't doing the job. You know, one thing one thing that I would like to see them do is you know the, the season's not looking too good for the Redskins. You know, why not why not roll and see what you have in Dwayne Haskins? I mean, you know, it's just in today's NFL we don't have time to time to wait and see with these quarterbacks. I mean, might as well get get them out there and see what you have in them. I agree with you. I, look, they, they have to put in Dwayne Haskins. But after I heard the, the press conference by the newly appointed interim head coach, Bill Callahan, that's not going to be the case because they feel like Dwayne Haskins isn't ready. So it seems like the coaches are totally hating on Dwayne Haskins. The front office, it seems like it's behind Dwayne Haskins. And all the conversations around the Redskins say that the coaching staff wasn't behind this draft pick because... They were obviously worried about their jobs, and they wanted to get a prospect that can help them this year. Maybe a defensive guy, maybe an offensive guy. They certainly felt like Dwayne Haskins was a long way away, and certainly proven to be that. I'm sure the front office wants to see that. They they want to insert Dwayne Haskins and see if he can improve in in a you know two or three weeks. You obviously want to see what you have with the 15th overall pick in the draft. But to be honest with you, Jay Gruden is. It's the tipping on that iceberg, Ed. I mean, obviously he's been he hasn't been good. I mean, in his five plus seasons, his overall record was thirty five forty nine and one. Um, he had an zero and five start this year. He's only made the playoffs, I think, once during his tenure. But in Bruce Allen's nine seasons, the Redskins are fifty nine eighty nine and one. I mean, it's just in under Daniel Snyder, who is the owner, and everybody knows that. They only have two playoff wins. And Daniel Snyder has been the owner there for over, what? what is it? It's been 20 years. 
that's a huge time. I mean, all the meddling that, you know, Jerry Jones does. I mean, he could always say, I've got three Super Bowl rings. Daniel Snyder needs to get this hiring right this offseason. And I think it starts with Bruce Allen. He's got to get rid of him. He's got to get a really good GM in there who will be able to to get a, a solid head coach in there. They, they've got to change this culture. Obviously, Snyder is not going to be gone, but Bruce Allen needs to go as well. See, I, I, I've always seen it as kind of a difficult position to be the, the Redskins GM just because, you know, Daniel Snyder gets the final say. So it's like you can have a great idea and then Daniel Snyder can override you. And that's really that's really kind of, you know, you, you, you haven't really – given someone the job when you intervene. Um, and I, I think that's the same for the Cowboys GM. So um, it, it's really hard to, it's hard, really hard to kind of rate and see, you know, who to point the figure at. I mean, a lot of people like to point the figure at Daniel Snyder, um, but you know, it, it could be the GM, it could be the coach. Um, I definitely think, I definitely think the coach needed to go, but um, you know, I, I, I still, I, I still think that the jury's out on whether the GM should have gone. No, he needs to go. I mean, his record has been terrible. Bruce Allen, you know, he was with the Bucks with John Gruden. He was with the Raiders. Um, did some good things. But, again, with the Bucks, it was Gruden calling the shots, not Bruce Allen. So Bruce Allen is kind of like this puppet, it seems like. A puppet that just is it, trying to hang on to his job. I, I think the Redskins need to find a really strong GM or a really good head coach. So let's start with that, Ed. Who are your top candidates out there for for the Redskins job once it it becomes open do you think that Bill Callahan if if he does some good things this year if if the Redskins win some games do you think he's going to get a shot possibly there's been some talk that maybe Kevin O'Connell who's been on their offensive staff for a while he was with the Patriots before he might be the up-and-coming guy that they will go with so give me a couple of candidates that that you feel good about I like them going outside the organization. Um, there's a couple of guys, uh, you know, there's uh, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, uh, Chris Richard. Um, you know, I, I think he's, 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 he's been up for a job for a few years and he, you know, he hasn't been at the top of anybody's list, but I think he's, I think he's a, a strong candidate. Um, he's done well with the Cowboys. And I mean, really the reason why I think he hasn't been hired yet is because he's a defensive coach. Um, I like Eric Bieniemy. I think he's done a good job with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense. Um, I think I think this is a year he gets a head coaching job. Um, another another one is uh, you know Matt Eberflus, um, you know the Colts' defensive coordinator. Um, you know he kind of came in quietly when Josh McDaniels backed out, but uh, he's done he's done a good job with the Colts' defense. So I, I think he's a strong candidate. Um, there. You know, it, it might be it might be time to give uh, Jim Schwartz another another chance. Um, you know, when it was the Lions, I thought he he showed some good things and he's done a good job with the with the Eagles. So, Jim Schwartz. Um, <sighs> I like the names. No, I like the names. I, I really do. I, I think you do. You think you've mentioned a lot of defensive coordinators. You think they got to go with an offensive guy, knowing that they drafted Dwayne Haskins in the first round. They have to develop him. They've got to build offensive system around him. You think the Redskins should go with an offensive coach when it comes to to getting? Do you think Eric Bieniemy might be that that number one choice if he decides to go that route? 
Well, I think Patrick Mahomes and Dwayne Haskins are different quarterbacks. I mean, you know, Patrick Mahomes is more of the sort of, you know, sling it around and, you know, throw on the run and, you know, razzle-dazzle and, um, you know, just just make the spectacular play. Whereas I think Dwayne Haskins is more, you know, the sit in the pocket, you know, be big, be confident and, you know, throw throw the ball deep down the field. So I don't I don't know if Eric Bieniemy necessarily translate to the Redskins job. Um, I kind of, I kind of like more of a defensive guy. Um, you know, it, it, I, I, I mean, I understand like everyone wants that offensive guy, you know, that top offensive coordinator work with a quarterback. And I know that's the trend, but I mean, you know, we've seen, we've seen great coaches, you know, some of the best coaches in the league are defensive guys. I mean, Bill Belichick is a defensive guy, you know, Mike Tomlin, defensive guy, um, so I, 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 I actually like hiring defensive guys. I want them to go offensive um, with an offensive guy. That, that would be my preference. I think there's one guy. I'm going to go with Mike McCarthy. Look, I, I'm sure Mike McCarthy is going to have a better job opportunity out there. I'm not sure the Redskins are going to be on top of his list. But we all know that McCarthy didn't get the head coaching job last season. So once he got fired from the Packers. So that tells me that he, he's got to come back. He's got to kind of recover a little bit. Maybe the, the Redskins job will help him, you know, develop another quarterback like Dwayne Haskins. I'm also going to throw in Jim Harbaugh's name out there. You and I have seen that Michigan has struggled this year. I mean, how long can the Wolverines put up with Jim? And I know that Harbaugh would be willing to return to the NFL under the right circumstances. I realize that he's a tough personality. He's hard to deal with. And I don't know how him and Daniel Snyder are going to mesh. But, you know, Snyder has hired power guys before. He's hired Martin Ma- Marty Schottenheimer. He had Mike Shanahan there. He had Joe Gibbs. He had Steve Spurrier. It's not like he's been afraid to go away from the big-name coaches. These guys... All four of these names are big-time personalities. So if Snyder has done that before, um, knowing that these guys can improve his team, then I'm sure he's going to give Jim Harbaugh a call. And, and and that's why I'm saying that I think that it's not out of the realm of the possibilities. We know what Jim Harbaugh did with the 49ers. And I know that he can you know, he can rebuild the Redskins. I think he might be the, the right man for the job. Well, I think I think he needs to get Michigan right before he he coaches in the NFL. I mean, I just you know I, I mean I can understand if you're talking about Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma, even though Lincoln Riley likes it at Oklahoma. But I I, I think I think Harbaugh hasn't really done the job in Michigan. And I I just don't think he deserves an NFL job if he can't do it at the college level. Well, I mean, he has been consistent. The only thing he hasn't been able to do is is lead Michigan to a Big Ten title and uh, get them into the college football playoff. Obviously, that, that speaks volumes. But the fact is, you can't argue with what Harbaugh has done throughout his time in college and in the NFL, what he did at UC San Diego, at Stanford, at Michigan, with the 49ers. He's been successful everywhere where he's been. And, and it, he's been good for a short period of time, for three or four seasons. Then his, his act just kind of wears thin. And I think it's time for him to move on. Let's let's talk about the MVP award, Ed. Um, it was an interesting topic that you and I wanted to talk about at the top of the show, but obviously we had some other things to talk about as far as the NFL 
Um, let's get to it. Um, I, I want to hear it from you. Who are your top two, top three candidates as as we currently sit here after the first five weeks of the season? Well, I think Aaron Rodgers deserves to be number one. Um, I think, you know, what he's done with the Packers and with the new head coach, I think he deserves to be number one. Um, you know, Brady, obviously being an undefeated team, you know, Brady's done it so many years and I think he deserves to be number two. I mean, we, we, we've kind of given that award to Brady so many times. It's, it's like, you know, does he, you know, we have to really check if he deserves it, but he's definitely, he's definitely in the running. Um, number three is Patrick Mahomes, although I am a little turned off by last week. Uh, Ed, you're, you're going with the obvious candidates out here. I'm going to go with, with the guys who have who've had the hot hand right now. Uh, I'm going to go with Russell Wilson, first and foremost, Ed. I think, to me, he is the MVP. I'm not saying he's going to be the MVP at the end of the season. I'm sure it's going to be Mahomes or Brady or uh, some of the usual suspects that you mentioned, like Aaron Rodgers. But currently, through the first five weeks, I would say Russell Wilson. Uh, what he did against the Rams... He was just, he was amazing. It really was. It was like, again, a, a Houdini act. And I think he's the most underrated player in the NFL. I um, continue to be convinced of it because not as many people talk about him. Nobody talks about him as a top five quarterback when, when they start an NFL team. Everybody talks about Aaron Rodgers. Everybody talks about Patrick Mahomes. Everybody talks about, you know, Tom Brady. I get it. But look, he is just the best quarterback who rarely gets mentioned. His resume right now is of a future Hall of Famer. I mean, it really is. And it's his team right now. With Marshawn Lynch moving on a couple of seasons ago, Russell Wilson is the driving force. He doesn't have big-time stars on the outside. He doesn't have, you know, he's got Tyler Lockett that he's throwing to. That's not Julio Jones. That's not Devontae Adams out there. That's not even Amari Cooper, with all due respect to Tyler Lockett. He's got Will Disley, David Moore. Who are these guys? And Russell Wilson is making them out to be like their, their Pro Bowl type of players. So to me, Russell Wilson is clearly the number one right now as far as MVP go. I'm also impressed by Deshaun Watson. Uh, Deshaun Watson had a huge game against the Falcons. It's just He put up some insane numbers out there. And Watson continues to put up huge numbers. He's another MVP candidate. And I got to give it up to a running back. You know, we keep talking about these quarterbacks. But Christian McCaffrey, uh, I watched that game against the Jags. And he had 237 total yards. And he was, before he got hurt uh, late in the fourth quarter, he was just, he was the driving force right now. Um, Kyle Allen is, is getting a lot of the credit with Cam Newton being sidelined, but it's Christian McCaffrey, and that is the reason why the Carolina Panthers have won three straight games. McCaffrey's 866 total yards in five games is second all-time, only behind Browns, Jim Brown, who had 988 yards in 1963. Look, I understand that you have to be a quarterback to win these days, but the, the stretch that McCaffrey is on right now is special. And he's just, he's a great player, a guy who has improved ever since his rookie season. He, he bounces off tacklers, he, he takes it, you know, 80 yards for the touchdown, he catches the ball like a wide receiver like his dad did in the good old days for the Denver Broncos. Uh, those are my top three candidates as we speak. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson and Christian McCaffrey. Well, I mean, I think those are names, but I mean, I I, I'm, I just think the MVP... Names? Names? 
Come on, they're, they're, they're names who are getting the job done. Isn't an MVP award all about guys that are doing the job this season, that are putting up the stats? Tom Brady wouldn't even be in my top 10 head right now. I mean, he struggled against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, th this isn't Brady's best season by far. It might be actually his worst, to be honest with you. And the Patriots might win the Super Bowl. There's no question that Brady is going to come up clutching the playoffs. But to put Brady... At before these three guys, based on what Brady has done throughout his career, is preposterous. Ed. Well, you look at you look at the Patriots. I mean, they're they're probably one of the two uh, you know undefeated teams. Um, but you know that doesn't right, tell right, me. Right, you, do, that doesn't tell me. Well, do, do you do you want do you want a dark anything. horse? Do you want a dark horse? All right, give me Saquon Barkley. <laughs> That's not who is injured right now. By the way, I I, right. I, th I think I think Jimmy Garoppolo could win it. I think Jimmy Garoppolo could win it. Interesting. All right, I'm warming up to this idea. I don't. I don't. I don't think this is necessarily. I don't think this is necessarily like the best player award. I think this is the most valuable to a good team award. I agree with you, but if you take away Russell Wilson, the Seahawks would be nowhere. If you take away Christian McCaffrey from the Panthers' offense, the Panthers would be 0-5. If you take away Deshaun Watson from the Texans' offense, team would be struggling. I mean, it's also a fact that if you take away these three players that I mentioned, those teams would be nowhere without those guys. So, I mean, and these teams are winning. The Panthers are 3-2. and two. The Seahawks, I believe, are at 4-1. and one. Um, And obviously, the, the, the Texans have also, they're 3-2. and two. So they do have winning records right now. Well, should we just well, I'm sorry. should we just stop playing and give it to Brady or Rodgers? Well, I'm saying uh, I'm saying I'm saying like uh, an example with Jimmy G is you know you take him off the 49ers and you saw they were picking second in the draft. So um, you know I mean take 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 any of these quarterbacks off these teams and they're terrible. I love the Niners, but I already mentioned at the top of the show uh, the reason the Niners are four and zero is not because of Jimmy G. With all due respect, I thought they would be. But it's because of the running game, and it's because of that defense. It's because of Quan Alexander, who's been the defensive MVP for the 49ers. By the way, I criticized that move, that free agent signing. He got like $27 million guaranteed, and I was like, what are the 49ers doing? He's been the de defensive MVP uh, of that of that entire defense. He's kind of been that, that middle backer who, who's putting up some great tackling numbers out there. That defensive line is great. Jimmy G needs to raise up his game. Uh, through the first four games of the season, he's not the reason why the 49ers are winning. He's been solid. Now, obviously, you make a good case. He returned their 4-0. Before him, the, the 49ers had a num number two overall pick. I'm going to argue that it's because of the running game and the defense. It's not because of Jimmy G. I actually believe that Jimmy G right now is solid, but he's kind of bringing the 49ers down a bit. I mean, against the Browns, he was. I it's, it's not. Solid. It's not that it, solid would be. It's the name. not that I don't. Solid it's not that I don't agree with you. It's just that this is this is generally how the award is won. Is the award is won is usually based on a, a player who is valuable to a good team. I mean, it's not. You also have to put up the numbers, Ed. I mean, when Brady wins the award, he throws 40-plus touchdowns. When Patrick Mahomes won last year, his team won. He threw 50 touchdowns. So to say that these guys aren't putting up the stats, when Peyton Manning won, I mean, he was putting up like 40, 50 touchdowns a, a season. You still have to put up the stats and win. And I'm saying that my three guys are putting up the stats and their teams are also winning. 
So it's just like I said, you went with the usual suspects. I went, I believe, with the guys that are they're doing well this season. And you're probably right. I mean, you're probably right. The Brady and Mahomes are going to be the, the guys at the end anyway. But the thing is, right now, through the first five weeks of the season, to me it's clear. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, and, uh, and Christian McCaffrey. And I don't have Patrick Mahomes in the top three. Um, by the way, the, the Texans are playing against the Chiefs, if we're speaking about Deshaun Watson and, and Patrick Mahomes, and the Chiefs are the favorites there. Uh, Bovada Sportsbook has them as the uh, minus 4.5 right now, and um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. The, the Chiefs laid an egg against the Indianapolis Colts. I, I'm sure they're going to come back stronger and, and better than ever, and I'm sure Mahomes is going to throw for five or six touchdowns, Ed. Uh, there's no question about it. After uh, a subpar performance against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, all right, let's move on to college football, Ed. Uh, you and I argued last week about Auburn, Florida. Um, we went in different directions. Uh, you went with Auburn, I went with Florida. The Gators came out on top, and and their defense was, was really good. I mean, it rose to the occasion. This week, they've got... They've got LSU, and uh, Bavada has LSU as minus 12.5 favorite over the, the Florida Gators. Preposterous number. I mean, the Gators are just not getting any type of respect, especially after they, uh, they were able to trounce the Auburn Tigers last week. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I was kind of surprised by that. I, I thought Florida has been good, but, I mean, they're playing with really second and third string quarterbacks. I mean, um you know, for them to for them to you know go out and beat Auburn was kind of surprising to me. You still, I'm sure. Look, I, as much as I love Florida, Ed, uh, I do love them, but I can't see them beating LSU and Baton Rouge. <clears throat> I think I would take them against the spread, but I don't think that I would. Uh, I think LSU will win this game, and a big reason for that, and we'll preview this player next week, is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, ever since uh, transferring from the Ohio State Buckeyes, has, has been on fire with, with the LSU Tigers. And who would have thought, Ed? I mean, LSU has always been known for a great defense under Les Miles. Well, you know what? They have a great offense now. And actually, the defense, you can argue, has been average so far this season. Yeah, I, I mean, LSU, LSU, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're usually a, a defensive team, but... I mean, I, th- I think LSU comes in and they win this game because, you know, the, the Florida's playing with backup and third backup quarterbacks. So, I mean, you can't you can't expect Florida Florida to win this game, you know, without Felipe Franks. But I do give them credit for beating Auburn. Well, they've done it so far, Ed. Uh, I, I have to say that. I mean, they've done it so far, and uh, they, they haven't flinched. And obviously they did it against the freshman quarterback and Bo Nix, but... And Burrow is going to be a, a different animal. I'm sure we'll see Joe Burrow at the Senior Bowl. Another big game, Ed. Um, Oklahoma against Texas. Uh, the Red River shootout. It's going to be in Dallas, Texas. Last year, Texas beat Oklahoma in a, in a thrilling game, 45-42. to yeah. Jalen Hurts has been on fire. Uh, I mean... I mean, you and I talked about Baker Mayfield before. Last year, we talked about Kyler Murray. Now people are getting excited about Jalen Hurts, and some people are throwing out his name and saying, hey, maybe this guy can be a first-round pick. I mean, he's he's been different. He's been more accurate. His ball placement has been better. And, and Hurts has been just 
a one-man show, it seems like, for the Oklahoma Sooners. And uh, what do you expect out of this game? A- another high-scoring affair? Yeah, definitely a high-scoring affair and a close game. I think it's going to be a close game. It's been a close game in the past years. Well, who do you take? I mean, do you give – I'm going to take Texas in this game. Well, are, are, you talking about the, are you talking about with the point spread or without the point spread? No, I'm taking them without the point spread. And the point spread, by the way, Bavada Sportsbook, uh, Bavada has Oklahoma minus 11 over Texas. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see that. But it, it's not about the point spread for me. I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a high-scoring affair. Sam Ellinger versus Jalen Hurts. And Hurts and Oklahoma's offense has been... They've been amazing this season. They haven't been challenged at all. I think Texas is going to challenge them this week, and I think they're going to win this game at home. I think it's going to be a second straight victory for the Longhorns in this uh, Red River River shootout. I'm going to definitely take Oklahoma straight up. I mean, I I probably, with the point spread, I'd take Texas, but I'm going to take Oklahoma. Um, You know, Oklahoma's been really good this year. They've rolled over every team they've played. So, um, you know, I I see them being... I mean, they could very well be a college football playoff team this year. Well, they definitely are looking like it right now. But I think this is Texas game. I'm calling it right now. I think Texas is gonna it's gonna take it to them. I think we're gonna see Jalen Hurts, who is who's gonna be a little bit more vulnerable this game. But I do think it's gonna be a shootout between these two great college quarterbacks, and they're gonna score a lot of points. And I, I saw that. It's like over 75 points or something uh, for both teams. And I would definitely take the over on that because, I mean, it's been a shootout for, for, I think, as long as I can remember for the last 10 years. It hasn't been a defensive battle. These these teams have scored against each other. Ed, uh, let's move on to our scouting breakdown that we do. Um, we'll start with an interesting wide receiver prospect from Liberty. And by the way, for... Those people that don't know, Liberty is a, it's a Division One school. It's an independent, like the Notre Dame. Um, and they've got Hugh Freeze there as their head coach. So they're, they're getting a little bit more notoriety now. Gandy Golden is, is the wide receiver from Liberty that we're going to talk about. So let's start with his strengths, Ed. Well, the, the biggest strength the biggest strength is that he's a big target. You know, he's a guy who can come up with the 50-50 balls. You know, he can be... You know, as sort of an outside receiver, and he can he can win in the red zone. Um, you know, you throw the ball up to him, and you know these these sort of guys who are playing sort of at the FCS level are are unable to challenge him uh, for the ball. Um, it's an FBS school, though. It's an FBS school, Ed. It's a smaller FBS school. Uh, it's not an FCS school. I, I mentioned that at the top of this segment. Liberty is an independent FBS school. It's a Division One school. So c- continue. Okay, well, um, you know, I, I like him as an outside receiver. Um, I think he's able to use his size to shield the receiver. He's six four, but um, you know, he plays even bigger than that. He's a team captain. He can high point the ball. Um, you know, he he's he's hard to tackle after the catch. Maybe not the fastest guy after the catch, but he's hard to tackle because he's big. I think he's just built well. Um, let me see. Um, you know, there's definitely there's definitely some weaknesses, so I'd like to go into that too. Let's start with the strengths. Obviously, it's his. He's got great leaping ability. He's got a good catching radius. He's effective on those back shoulder fades. He's a good deep threat, and um, 
He'll obviously, he, and the one thing that I'm really impressed with him is he's about 6'3", 6'4", 215, 220. But when he catches that ball, he turns upfield so quickly after the catch. He's almost like a smaller wide receiver. You know, he's always looking, he turns that head around and he's always making that, that quick move to get upfield. He's not like a huge yards after the catch guy, but as a result of doing that, turning upfield so quickly, he certainly catches a lot of DBs off guard, and he's able to pick up those extra yards. And he refuses to go down after the catch. There was the Buffalo game that I watched this year, and I'm sure you watched it as well. He scored a a 20-plus yard touchdown, and he just bulldozed his way into the end zone. He, He carried the two defenders after the catch. And he, I think he carried them for like five or ten yards out there. And this was against Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo is a pretty good program out there. And I, I was really impressed with that. Looked like a running back on that play, just bulldozing in and trying to score. And I thought that was that was really good out there for him. Obviously, you mentioned it, a big target. He's got good hands. Um, it seems like he, he plucks the ball away from his body, especially this year away from his frame he's kind of learning to do that a little bit more instead of body catching it so I didn't see too many drops on on tape that I saw and uh, I'm impressed with that so let's talk about the weaknesses Ed well you know I, I really I really think he, he gets jammed at the line of scrimmage and he's getting jammed at the line of scrimmage by you know guys you know got not like power five school conference school guys and um, I think this is a, especially a difficult issue for him um i also don't think he's the sharpest route runner he likes the underneath but i don't see him cutting i don't see him you know turning i don't see him winning on the intermediate route as much um you know i i think i think he can kind of do the underneath but and i think he can kind of high point the ball but i i want to see some i want to see him beat the corner in more ways um i think that's a those are a couple things um I don't. It's a fair. It's a fair assessment. Uh, but he has become a better route runner this year. Last year was more the comeback routes. It was more those deep shots. Now he's doing more of those hook and go plays. He's done, doing those double moves. He's running slants. Uh, he's trying to add to his repertoire when it comes to those routes. But I agree with you. He's still not a developed route runner. Needs to improve in that area. Sometimes it's a little bit more difficult for a bigger guy to to look like a smaller wide receiver when he's coming out of those cuts. But um, I agree with you. That That's a fair assessment. He also struggles against press coverage, Ed. I, I thought against Syracuse a few times when, when the player got into his face, uh, he kind of slowed at the line of scrimmage. He was kind of, he was caught off guard. He didn't know what to do. He's got to use those hands a little bit more. He's got to understand that once he faces those bigger corners, uh, guys from power five school conferences at the senior bowl those guys are going to challenge him at the line of scrimmage so i want to see him have more of a plan at the line of scrimmage in that regard when he gets challenged i think another thing that kind of annoys me about him is that i don't think he's much of a deep threat and he has the potential to be a deep threat but i'm just not seeing him you know beating guys vertically but he does he does he elevates over them i mean he you probably talk about you question probably his deep speed. I would assume that you know you're kind of you're watching him against Syracuse, Buffalo, Idaho State, and you're kind of saying, "Geez, he doesn't really outrun anybody." I mean, so you question his speed probably and whether he can create consistent separation downfield, 
right? Yeah, I don't I don't think he's I don't think he's really he doesn't have burner speed. He definitely doesn't have burner speed. I mean, to be honest with you, he he kind of reminds me more of a tight end than a wide receiver. Really? I actually think I'm going to compare him to a guy that you probably scouted because he was a guy that came out a couple of years ago. Northern Illinois wide receiver. He's playing for the Detroit Lions right now. His name is Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay. Uh, I would actually say that they're similar in terms of their size, in terms of their body. Uh, They kind of play a physical game, and they they dominated in, in a smaller conference. Liberty doesn't play in the conference, but they dominated against the competition that they played against. I actually think that they're similar prospects in that regard. And Galladay got was taken by the Detroit Lions in the third round. So to me, the question mark is going to be with AGG. I want to call him AGG. A lot of people are doing that. The question mark with me with AGG is how well he runs at the scouting combine. I'm sure he's going to be at one of those bigger... Um, all-Star Games, uh, whether it's going to be the Senior Bowl or NFLPA Bowl, I want to see him dominate there against bigger competition in the one-on-ones to show that he can beat press coverage. So, um, obviously a big-time talent. I think he has taken his game to another level as a senior. I'm seeing him. <clears throat> he made some improvements, especially as the route runner compared to what he did as a sophomore and as a junior. So in that regard, I, I like what I'm seeing uh, because he has grown up as a player. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of think of like N.K. Harry. Like I, I think, you know, I sort of compared the two. And I mean, probably N.K. Harry was a little bit more athletic than he was. And I think N.K. Harry was a little bit better at getting off the line than he was. But I mean, they're they're very similar prospects, and I, I feel like I might have underrated and kill Harry last year. Okay, interesting, interesting. Uh, to to be honest with you, we all know Nikhil Harry uh, had great ball skills coming out last year, and we had question marks about him. Can he create separation? But he played in the Pac-12 conference. But I actually believe that Golden AGG elevates over defenders a lot better. I, he's actually more underrated as an athlete than you give him credit for. I actually see that on tape. And, and based on the way he eludes those defenders after the catch a little bit, kind of gave, he doesn't look like a possession receiver to me. But I do question whether he can, he can run you know, higher than in, in the high four fives. I, I still feel that <clears throat> he's a bigger guy that, that's going to run there. I don't think he's he's got burner speed, but I want to see him against bigger competition. He's going to get his chance, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what AGG, wide receiver from Liberty, can do. Let's move on to the defensive side of the field, Ed. Uh, let's talk about, we talked about Derek Brown a few weeks ago, the, the talented defensive lineman who is, who is going to be a first-round pick. Now let's talk about his line mates and let's talk about marlon davidson uh the the senior defensive lineman who was a big time defensive line prospect coming out of high school he has started ever since his freshman season and he's gotten better Uh, he made strides this year but i still want to see him improve in a lot of areas but marlon davidson is actually having in my opinion a better year than than nick coe let's talk about his strengths ed well, I think he has a lot of alacrity in the run game. Um, he's a guy who really runs to the football, and he can make a he can make a sort of a 
attack all sort of in the backfield or in the secondary. Um, for a defensive lineman, I really like to see that. Um, this is a guy who wins his matchups in the run game. Um, you know, this is a guy who's playing against SEC teams and he's winning matchups. Um, I, I I like. Um, you know, I, I said I liked his motor. I, li- I think he holds the point of attack in the run game. Um, I think he's a guy who can tackle pretty well, um, but you, you kind of expect that. I think the most important thing is that I feel much better about him when I have him as a 3-4 defensive end as, a, as opposed to a 4-3 defensive end. I saw him playing – I saw him play defensive tackle in 2017, and I saw in 2019 he played defensive end. Um, I think he's between those, and I think he's really a 3-4 defensive end. And I think when you put him in that position, I think he succeeds better. Because, um, you know, as a pass rusher, he doesn't have the quickness to be a 4-3 defensive end. I agree with you. He doesn't have the bend. He he can't force consistent pressure as a 4-3 defensive end because I don't feel he's athletic enough. He's just he's not a good bender. And I, I also want to see him use his hands a little bit better. I feel like once he, once offensive lineman gets his hands on him, he's unable to disengage, and I have a problem with that a little bit. As a three-four defensive end, you got to be able to do that. But I also feel like he can succeed as a five technique. I and whether you, you can move him inside possibly, but he's just not quick. He's not a guy that's going to cause consistent pressure uh, against in a four-three defense, and he has his limitations. Uh, for a guy that has started for four years at Auburn, I guess I expected to see a little bit more out of him. And uh, he's a good player, but he's not a player that, that's going to be taken in the first three rounds. What do, what do you think about that? You know, I, I could see him being taken on day two, but I, I mean, the worry with me is that he's not a hand fighter. I think he needs he needs to have a little bit more aggressiveness. Um, in his hand fighting, I think he needs to have better technique in his hand fighting. But you, you already said it, and, it, and it's such a thing that I have to mention again because it's 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 really a weakness, and it, it may be the reason why he doesn't get drafted as high. Yeah, it's just like I said, a good run defender, but again, uh, just doesn't get after the quarterback, doesn't have that capability of, of forcing pressure uh, on a consistent basis. And unfortunately... Like I said, he's about 6'2 and a half, 280. I wish he was a couple of inches taller. I prefer my guys who play as a 3-4 defensive end to be 6'3 you know, and a half, 6'4. He can be 280, 285. He can get to 290. I, I just wish he was a little bit taller. Uh, because, like I said, if, if you're going to play 3-4 defensive end, you're going to face some double teams out there. You have to be able to to split them. You have to be able to use your hands a little bit better. He's got to get better at that. I just Auburn defensive line is definitely talented, but Derek Brown is the man there. Marlon Davidson and Nick Coe, talented players, but still coming up short in a number of ways out there. Ed, we've come to the end of the show. We like to do uh, closing statements. Uh, So, Let's start with yours. You know, I'm really impressed with Florida. I mean, the fact that, you know, they went, you know, they've been without Felipe Franks now, and they they went with a backup. And, you know, the backup backup got hurt, and, you know, he had kind of a gruesome injury as well. And then the third, you know, the third string came in, and, you know, he he held it down. And so I'm I'm really impressed with, with Florida's ability to, 
to to stay to stay in games and to to win against Auburn. So um, I I guess I guess the my my closing statement is that I miss I I underestimated Florida this year. I think a lot of people underestimated Florida this year. To be honest with you, um, I don't think anybody saw them th- this way. Look, a lot of people will give Florida respect if they beat LSU. That that would be amazing, Ed. I I, I hope so. I picked LSU, but I'm hoping that the Gators pull off the upset in, in Baton Rouge. That that would be something. Uh, to be honest with you, my closing statement is it really is amazing to me. Two years ago, we saw Baker Mayfield win the Heisman Trophy Award for the Oklahoma Sooners. Last year, Kyler Murray was a revelation, and he beat Tua and uh, won another Heisman Trophy for the Oklahoma Sooners. It looks like, Ed, that for the third straight year, we're going to have another quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners, and it looks like it's going to be Jalen Hurts because right now he's putting up numbers that are just unheard of. We were amazed by Baker Mayfield. We were more amazed by Kyler Murray. What's Jalen Hurts doing this year? I mean, he's throwing for over 1,500 yards. He's run for almost 500 yards. He scored 21 touchdowns. It's incredible to me. It really is. He definitely looks like a different quarterback, and we're definitely going to talk about him in a couple of weeks. We'll take Joe Burrow next week, but Jalen Hurts needs to be put under the scouting microscope because he looks like a more refined quarterback in terms of his mechanics, in terms of his accuracy and ball placement this year. This isn't just a dual-threat quarterback in, in a QB-friendly system. So Hertz is doing some amazing things, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Oklahoma Sooners have another quarterback that will win the, the Heisman at the end of the year. And that would just be unheard of. Three straight quarterbacks from the same schools. Uh, putting in, you know, winning the Heisman. This was uh, Blitzcast number 77. I'm Alex Kavtov for my partner and co-host Ed Hunt. Uh, We'll come back stronger next week. Thanks for listening. Take care.